This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. For over a hundred years now, there is a hymn which has had a rich part of our musical heritage, a hymn which has been sung very often in churches around the world. The title of this hymn is, I Will Sing of My Redeemer. There's a fascinating story about the man who wrote this hymn. His name is Philip P. Bliss, B-L-I-S-S, who was born in 1838 in a log cabin in Pennsylvania. He developed a keen interest in music at an early age. When he was only 10 years old, he was thrilled to hear piano music for the first time in his life. The way it happened was this. Walking outside a house, he heard some music inside, which completely enthralled this young boy. Entering the house uninvited, he listened for a while, totally entranced, as a lady played the piano. When the music stopped, he said, Oh, lady, play some more. However, her response was to have him escorted from the house. So young Philip left home at age 11 to work in lumber camps. In the evenings, he attended what was then known as a singing school. In 1850, at the age of 12, Philip Bliss made a public profession of his faith in Christ. The years following saw Philip Bliss involved in many activities centered around music. He became an itinerant music teacher, traveling from place to place with a small folding organ. An important event in his life was when he met the well-known evangelist Dwight L. Moody, with whom Philip worked for a number of years, becoming a great singer of gospel music, as well as writing words and composing music. On December the 29th, 1876, Philip Bliss, who was now just 38 years old, was traveling with his wife, returning from a Christmas visit with his family. Near Ashtabula, Ohio, a collapsed bridge caused the train on which they rode to plunge into an icy riverbed below. Fire broke out from the overhead and it overturned the broken stoves on the train cars, fires which swept throughout the wreckage of the train. Almost miraculously, Philip was able to escape by crawling through a window of the train. But when he got outside, he realized that his dear wife had not escaped also. So he returned to the blazing train to look for his wife. Reunited, they died together in the flames. Among the personal belongings salvaged from the wreckage of the train was a trunk that belonged to Bliss. In this trunk was found the hymn, I Will Sing of My Redeemer. This marvelous servant of God used his talents and abilities to bless the lives of so many through his hymn writing. Before his death, he wrote over a hundred hymns, many of which we now sing. Wonderful words of life. I gave my life for thee. He also wrote the music 
to the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. <clears throat> Although Philip Bliss died that day, his words continue to have meaning for our lives also. He from death to life hath brought me, Son of God, with him to be. We sing that song in our congregation now. We wish that those of you who are on listening by podcast could join us in the singing. If you have a hymnal or if you know some of the words, you can sing that song. Let's look at another hymn. Many years ago, ministers had the practice of writing hymns to be read or sung at the conclusion of their sermons. One such hymn was written by Reverend Thomas Shepherd, a minister of the Church of England in the year 1693. The following year, he left the Church of England to join the nonconformist movement, and since he had no place now to preach, he preached in a barn for seven years until he could raise enough money to build a chapel for his congregation. The hymn by which Reverend Shepherd is best known asks a question which is based on an event in the life of Jesus as he was being led to the place of crucifixion. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record what happened. This is Luke's account. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Have you ever thought, well, if I had been there, I would have been willing to carry Jesus' cross for him? Well, Reverend Shepherd thought on this very thing, and the opening lines of his hymn reflect that question. He originally wrote these words, Shall Simon bear the cross alone, and other saints be free? But over the centuries since the writing of those words, a change has come down to us as we now have it. But the main idea of Shepherd's question still remains. Now we sing it, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? The words of Jesus himself come to mind as Luke records his statement in Luke chapter 9. And he said to them all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. One writer has said that this hymn, which is almost a hundred years older than the United States, is to church singing what sterling is to silver. It never grows old. And so we answer the question of this hymn, a hymn which was literally born in a barn, as we sing, no, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. <clears throat> Let's look at a third hymn. If you were to be asked to name the greatest hymn of all times, the one hymn which stands out above all other Christian hymns, what would it be? If I were to take a survey, even among those who are here in worship today, at Ocean Lakes, I'm sure we'd have a lot of different hymns named. That'd be like trying to decide who was the greatest American president in the history of our nation. 
or who was the greatest athlete in all sports who ever lived. <clears throat> you may have a favorite hymn that you like to sing or hear or a gospel song or even a contemporary chorus, but many of us would be probably hard-pressed to come up with the name of the person who wrote the words or music to that song that you like so much. For example, suppose I were to ask you if the name Isaac Watts or Lowell Mason had any meaning to you. Actually, Isaac Watts was born in the year 1674. Lowell Mason was born in 1792. Uh, that's a little bit before our time, isn't it? But together, these two men wrote a hymn, which has been a favorite of so many throughout the centuries since the words were written. And the words are based on the Apostle Paul's declaration Writing to the Galatians, he said, Galatians 6, 14, God forbid that I should glory, save in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. This same verse is given in different words, but with the same meaning in the contemporary English version. But I will never brag about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his cross, the world is dead as far as I'm concerned. And I am dead as far as the world is concerned. Yes, when we look at the wondrous cross of Christ, we have nothing at all to brag about ourselves. The love that he showed to us on that cross demands that we give him our soul, our life, our all. The hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's look at one other hymn today on this beautiful April 10th Palm Sunday. The familiar phrase, lost and found, would very well describe the life of John Newton, who once described himself as a wretch in need of God's grace. John was born in the city of London in the year 1725, but when he was only seven years of age, his saintly mother died. During those early years, she had instilled in her son many Christian virtues and moral teachings, but at her death, young John became bitter and hardened his heart toward God. He became a wild young man who mocked Christianity and drowned his sorrows in drink. At age 11, John went to work with his father on a slave ship where his father was a captain. And the life which followed for young John was filled with stirring adventure, narrow escapes, and ungodly recklessness. When he was 23 years old, he had an event in his life which was to change him forever. The slave ship on which he worked encountered a violent storm, and he almost lost his life. But in truth, he gained something far better. Those early teachings of his pious mother resurfaced in his heart. And from then on, John referred to March the 10th, 1748, as the day of his conversion. Unfortunately, Newton's conversion did not change his views on slavery. But under the influence of John Wesley and some other ministers, he had another spiritual awakening. 
1760, he became an ordained minister and a powerful opponent of slavery. He eventually settled down in a small town of Olney, O-L-N-E-Y, about 40 miles from London, where he and his friend, William Cooper, spent four days a week writing hymns for their prayer meetings. Among the hymns that Cooper wrote were, God Moves in a Mysterious Way and There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. On January the 1st, 1773, John Newton wrote the words of a hymn which was originally entitled Faith's Review and Expectation. That hymn was really written as a poem, an autobiographical poem. He was talking about himself. Let's pick up the story right here and let me share with you the words of George Beverly Shea. I had the opportunity to visit the town of Olney, England for the first time in the 1950s. John Newton began preaching at this parish church 16 years after God delivered him from a life of slave trading. Almost every week, he wrote a new hymn appropriate to the scripture lesson for that evening service. In the vestibule of the church, there's an attractive wooden plaque with the names of all the clergy from the 1700s. And of course, John Newton's name is there. A most moving experience was visiting John Newton's gravesite out in the churchyard. Don Husted, longtime organist and musician for the Billy Graham Crusades, was with me, said George Beverly Shea. And together we found his tombstone in a corner of the cemetery very close to a centuries-old stone wall. Pushing aside some of the tall grass, I discovered some engraved words on the back of the stone. As I read them aloud, Don pulled an envelope from his pocket and quickly wrote the words down. These words were actually written by John Newton himself, and it was his desire that this be the inscription on his tombstone. These are the words. John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. This redeemed sinner, John Newton, wrote in that hymn, the words that described his own life, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He was literally blind when he died, but he had seen clearly the wonder of God's love and God's mercy for his life. What a wonderful impact John Newton's song has been on people of all ages. Yes, he first named that Faith's Review and Expectation. But we don't know that poem that John Newton wrote by that title. God's great love for all, all of us is clearly demonstrated by the willingness of Jesus to give his life on that cross and to show us the marvelous gift of what we now know that hymn by God's amazing grace. Oh, Father, thank you for the amazing grace of Jesus. We can't understand it, but we thank you that you love us even in our trespasses and sins, as you did John Newton.
May we show forth in our lives our gratitude. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.